Hey there, it's Kelly from Zinimi. Before we get started on today's episode, I want to invite you to one of our greatest trainings ever. It's how to build and grow a profitable solo or group practice sustainably. All you got to do is check it out at zinimi.com slash podcast. All right, on to our episode. Hey guys, welcome to our final interview in our series of When Life Happens. Today I'm joined with Dr. Jared DeFeif a psychologist in the Atlanta area. Yes. Hi, everyone. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about fatherhood. Woo! I knew you pre-fatherhood and post-fatherhood. <laughs> oh, and yeah, so we'll, we'll see the change here. And <laughs> see what you notice. Yeah. So you were in private practice for how long before you became a dad? Uh, I am coming up on my fourth year in private practice. Um, my son is turning two in a couple months. So going back to elementary school math, I think it was two years. <laughs> it was just a little over two years. Something about having a small child fries your brain. And- uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not terribly sure. I had to do a double check of what day it is before we started talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I've reassured myself that it is Thursday right okay, now. Okay, I think it is too. I, I'm so glad you're doing this with me because I know what it's like to become a mom, but I don't know what it's like to be a dad in the sense of, I think there's a lot we don't talk about. We talk a lot about postpartum for moms, uh-huh. not so much for dads or, nope. you know, it's, more of this assumption while well, the dad goes back to work is still kind of that stereotypical response. But what does it mean when you own your own business mm-hmm. and you have a new baby in the house? And so um, can you talk a little bit about those beginning phases of new fatherhood and how it's evolved for you over time and what that experience was like? Sure, sure. Um, and yeah, and I'm very glad to be here and to be talking about this because I think you're right. This is one of the one of the biggest kind of aspects of this experience is how little this really, I think, is talked about um, for for us as fathers. Um, and, and in some ways, in some ways, kind of the isolation and, and the lack of information and, and the ability to prepare for that. So, so I actually have a kind of lot to say on that. Um, I, Going back to the sort of beginning of the experience, um, you know, probably about about finding out. Um, my my wife told me she she was like she was like going ahead to tell me I was having a really rough day and I think I was really hungry hangry at the time so she's like I better take him out to like dinner, um, and you know get him fed so it was probably not my best day. <laughs> Uh, of life. Um, but of course it was really exciting news. Um, it wasn't something that we had sort of been planning for, for, for a long time. I know people have different journeys and routes and their experiences with that. Um, so yeah, so there was all that initial excitement. Um, wait, was your wife working at the time too? Uh, she was at the time she was doing her, she, she had left school for some years. Um, she'd gone back, become a speech-language pathologist, went back into a doctoral program in cognitive psych, and I think that's where she was at the time. Yeah. Um, and we'll talk about more where she landed. But, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I was in my practice. I had left, you know, when we last, 
when we last did one of these and spoke, uh, we talked about the experience of leaving academia. Yeah. Um, I had left that behind for a little over two years. Yeah. Um, when this was going on, I, I was in the midst of starting the podcast uh, that I was doing uh, at the time. We'll talk more about what happened there too. Um, so that's kind of where we kind of were in space. My practice was doing pretty, pretty well. Um, I was in practice full time, though my client load was not quite yet full time. Um, I think I was seeing probably up to 15 visits a week mm -hmm. um, and still working on kind of growing the visit business. Um, so it was, I was doing well and solidly, but, but not quite full at the time. And, and that was probably kind of the biggest experience early on through, through the pregnancy. Um, I, I had a hard time. Uh, I, I think I had a, I had a really hard time. Um, the pregnancy physically was, was very smooth for us, thankfully. Um, my wife was, was doing well with that. I, I remember um, she, was, she was kind of worried about me uh, at some point uh, in terms of my coping with it and dealing with it. Because the biggest kind of feeling that I, I remember having, and I, you know, I think other parents and fathers have, have spoken about that the spoken to sense is this feeling of pressure of there is an, so I was watching, I was, I was binging through Breaking Bad at the time. <laughs> and I remember there is a scene uh -huh. where um, Brian Cranston, Walter White is talking with the, the drug kingpin, Dust Frank. And he said something about, you know, and even that whole show is, you know, Walter White becomes a, the new father for the second time and kind of goes mm -hmm. off the rails there. Um, I never really started my meth empire. Uh, <laughs> I missed that. There was a scene the two of them talking, and there was this line that I remember that says, you know, a man provides for his family. Mm. Uh, as they were talking with each other. Um, as, as like kind of that's the definition of, of what a man is and what a man does. And I remember that hitting me very deeply and mm. very challengingly. Um, feeling like I was not at a place to be able to do that. Mm. We were still living in a, an apartment here in Atlanta. Um, student loan debt, you know, from my, from, from my doctoral program was astronomical from hers. Hers was more funded. Um, and I just remember feeling that very deeply and what, what my wife experienced from me through that time was the, a kind of freneticness of that feeling, that kind of pressure of feeling like I had to get like a big black duffel bag of full of, of money to, to, to provide for the family and to make sure that, that we would be okay financially. Um, you know, some of that was, was certainly grounded in some reality, but some of that was also kind of, you know, the spinning going on inside my own head and that kind of cultural pressure to, to do that and be there. Um, and, you know, looking back, I, I'd have to ask her more probably about kind of what that looked like from the outside, but I know that she was concerned and I know that I was, I, I was depressed. Um, my, yeah, I, I had a tough time. Yeah. So it sounds like it starts with the pressure and then the fear and then that moves into the darkness of it. And that kind of 
freneticness, that kind of frantic energy, I, I don't think can feel like the font of a lot of ideas. Um, it can feel like a font of creativity, but it's, but I don't think it terribly is. Um, it's, it's more kind of grasping at straws, I think, in a kind of desperate way. Um, and I, and I struggled with that for some months. So how do you think that laid the foundation for postpartum? Um, well, so it, it got me during the time to, I was in a consultation group, like a uh, practice consultation group at the time. Um, and this, and was kind of working through this sort of stuff. And, you know, thankfully people kind of recognized what was going on and spoke to it. Um, I think kind of said to me, Jared, like one thing I hope for you to, is to get more physically active and, you know, happen, you know, almost like there's a place to kind of burn through some of that energy and work through some of that pressure and, and kind of depression. Um, before, uh, before the birth, I started doing that. I joined a, a local dance class club. Um, we're going to talk about gender role stuff a lot, a lot here. I imagine, um, one of the few, not, not the only, but one of the few males, uh, among that, the, the set, the set, uh, classes that were there, but it was mm -hmm. tremendous for me. Mm -hmm. um, that really kind of turned things around for me emotionally very well. Um, that takes us up to, you know, the birth. Um, and, you know, I, I think for me, uh, you know, after the baby was born, and, and I feel weird even talking about this right now, oh. it's kind of like, I hope no one's hearing this like, Jared isn't thinking about his wife at all. Um, it's like, because to even talk about it, I, you know, you're not, this, the show's not about you. <laughs> the show's not about you at this time. Mm -hmm. uh, you are not, you know, you're, 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 not, you're, not, you're not the one to be tended to mm. at this time. Um, and so to even kind of, talk about it in this way focused on your own experience feels a little weird right now to be honest but isn't that funny that we think that that like it's happening to two people or it's it's a family affair it's not just you know it's not just the person who birthed the child that it's you know that this change is happening to you know i mean that totally uh i i agree with that very much and at the same time there is a lot about the experience that you're not doing you know right you're yeah. not you're not you're not carrying the load yeah um so i think in some ways it's rightly placed but i think i think if you don't take any space to think about it then i think you kind of get what was happening to me and all this stuff is going on and it's not really being thought about and you're not paying attention to it yeah you're running down a course that's that's that can be not healthy. Mm -hmm. um, so I, so it, it is weird that it's kind of hard to do it. And yet I think it is really important at the same yeah. time to start sharing and talking about things. Um, but, but anyway, uh, at, in the hospital for me, at least, uh, you know, after the birth came, it was like, you know, it was like, it was like that. Um, for me, every, everything, was kind of like after you've been through and I remember kind of on my internship year being so stressed and you're working so hard and you're running at this level of on this this kind of fuel and then you're done and it's like my body's like all right <laughs> like I um, held it together long enough I I 
and the hospital, while you're in the hospital, the sense of time in the hospital, it was, it was a smooth delivery, delivery. Thankfully, there, were, there was kind of one couple hour period that things looked complicated and was really scary um, because you're in there supporting your wife and all of a sudden four doctors and nurses are in the room before you can blink. They're doing stuff with, with her. They're worried about her blood pressure and the baby. And you're just, you're off to the side, not really knowing what's mm-hmm. going on. They're doing their thing and everything is happening kind of like that. And you're standing back. Mm-hmm. Very scary and powerless. There, there was some bit of time during the birth like that. Um, but I, re- I remember in the hospital that emotional, like, I did go uh, at, at one point, uh, at, you know, after a day or so in the hospital, I remember she's like, just go to your dance class, go, go do that, get out of here, you know, and then get a shower and come back, mm-hmm. um, which was really healthy and helpful for me. And I remember going and there were tears there. And going through, but that was really important for me. After that, things sort of switched for us. I think um, my wife, her adjustment was more difficult in the postpartum mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when I really had, I really had to kind of step up and and kind of help with that. And I, I don't want to speak too much her yeah. and her experience but but we but but that you know she she spent some time struggling in the postpartum period mm. so we kind of switched at, at that point um so you know if if one of you can be on board <laughs> at a time i think that's good if both of you at the same time probably Isn't that marriage is general <laughs> i always find it right in day-to-day life, one of us has to be okay, <laughs> at least enough <laughs> that they can carry when the other is not. Yeah. Yeah. My husband got shingles. Oh, no. Yeah. It, uh, after? After, after Claire was oh. born. Um, yeah, I had complications with um, the birth, and I was not as mobile as I thought I was going to be. So he ended up having to do a lot. Now he was a teacher at the time and had the summer off. So he was there like fully all the time. There was no leaving to work. There was no work to go to at the time. And so, uh, and there was also, we had a cancer scare for him. So put that all together, (laughs) a new baby, um, 24 seven in the house, a cancer scare. He got shingles. And I I think that there, you know, well, he, you know, uh, yeah, and that's the funny thing. Like what, what I was saying, like a lot of times the focus can be on the birth parent, but the other parent is also carrying at least the energy, mm-hmm. other kinds of burdens and pressures too, that we need to talk about because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that was, <laughs> that's really fun. We're like, okay, you can't touch her. <laughs> <laughs> but you have shingles now so, oh. you know for for a time it was it was interesting but I think through it all do you find that that pressure has shifted that feeling of that burden of that you put on yourself that duff, that I love that analogy the breaking bad like, big black duffel bag of money yes I totally, I'm like, yeah, that's what it feels like. Um, did, how did that shift once 
your baby was born? Um, for me, that shifted a lot, um, a lot. And some of that is, was not just emotional change in processing, but actual, you know, actual financial changes too. Mm-hmm. going through that. Um, you know, during the pregnancy, my, my wife was in graduate school. Um, she, you know, she was fellow in a doctoral program. I was, I was doing private practice. Um, we, during pregnancy, we were renting an apartment in Atlanta, which, you know, the market around here has gone really crazy and, um, you know, skyrocketed. We, we did finally buy the place that we're in now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we moved in two weeks before her due date. <laughs> that, that was fun. Um, I, and there are, I was nesting, man. There are pictures of me. <laughs> I, there were some nights that I, you know, I'm ripping out carpet, uh, ripping out the old carpet in a pile. There's a very large, got there's a picture of me like in a, in a, a dust mask uh-huh. and with a very large pile of ripped up carpet and old toilets that 800 got junk people to take away before we moved in and put in new flooring and all that. Two weeks before the due date. I mean, what were we? thinking I don't know. I, we, we knew at the time like what were we thinking but but you know yeah things worked out yeah thankfully well and so we settled in we settled into to our place that's been great my wife went started a new career uh after he was between three and six months mm-hmm. about four months four, mm-hmm. about four months old um uh, between that time she she was like i can't I can't stay home. I've I've got to go. Um, she learned, uh, and she had learned about using transferring. She was a cognitive psychology was was her doctoral program. She she wanted to work in industry, and she learned about this field of user experience research that was a really great fit for her that she'd never heard of. But both of us go, yeah, yeah, that's you. You basically look at websites and say, I can't believe they've got this arranged this way. And it's so hard to navigate. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, there's a field that kind of pays you to do that. And we're like, that's you, that's it. Um, so she started doing that um, and working for State Farm in about three, four months. Um, so then that added a dual income. It also added um, you know, corporate health insurance benefits, which were really helpful. Um, so a lot of those things kind of changed financially to ease a lot of that pressure Mm-hmm. Um, but also just, it, it just changes. I mean, you don't, you know, you, 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 you learn to feel enough. Uh, you, you, yeah. you learn to kind of step outside of yourself and go, everything's okay. Yeah. When you, did you take time off from work? Like um, yes and no. Um, yes and no. Uh, I'm sure I took a couple weeks um, or a week or two. I, so the way my schedule was working at the time was I could go in, see, see a couple of folks, and then come back home. Mm-hmm. So I was there, really, most of it. Um, did I sort of formally take leave? I, I didn't. Um, beyond beyond a week or two but the way my schedule was working and spread out at the time which was you know i can go in i can see two or three people i can come right back home um what i did certainly take leave from was other stuff that wasn't direct 
client hours. Um, at the time, you know, kind of networking, trying to do any kind of writing. I, I was doing the podcast. I had stopped doing the podcast before, before my son was born because um, it was just too much. Um, so I really, I really cut back as opposed to, to taking leave. Hey, it's Kelly. Are you enjoying today's episode? There is so much more to starting your private practice. That's why we created Business School for Therapists. It's our lifetime access business building program created especially for you and all the future stages of practice that you are going to go through. If you're ready to join a community that supports you, that to have access to a massive library of private practice trainings covering everything from creating your vision to setting your fee to getting you legally covered and more, this is for you. Simply go to bit.ly slash therapist business school to get started. Did your clients know that you were expecting? Uh, yeah. Uh, it's ooh, different for, you know, when you show up with a large belly, <laughs> <laughs> it's obvious and you have these conversations, but as the non-pregnant partner. Well, I was like? still showing up with a larger belly, um, <laughs> exactly. but not for the, uh, so today, uh, I did tell, I, I don't know if I told everyone, I told, I told a few or most knew um, that that was going on. They, they knew, they knew later, I think, because, you know, the physical signs weren't obvious, but, but I did sort of give them the heads up that, you know, over the next, you know, two, three months, here's what's coming down the pike. I, I'm not sure what things will look like immediately in the aftermath. Uh, to be honest, I tried to work out what I could, but, but this is, I know when the baby comes, uh, we'll, break for a week or two and uh yeah so they they knew yeah. um the reactions were generally positive um you know i've i've known a lot of women who have gone through pregnancies in their uh during their work as therapists they tend to get a lot more reaction than i think i did yeah i think well i think there's I mean, there's definite reasons for that because there's a physical reminder. There's a third person in the room now in the session. You don't, you're not bringing that other person in the room, um, so to speak, you know, but I think it's, which, but then on the other side, it's kind of interesting, right? To bring this to a client and what if they forget because they don't have that reminder and what does that mean? I mean, like it's yeah. so rich anyway, but I was just curious, yeah, about how your process is different in terms of disclosure and planning. Like, you know, if you don't know the exact date that you're going to have your baby, which in reality, none of us totally know, even if right. you did a C-section day or whatever, you know, how do you go about that with your clients in terms of being the non the non-pregnant right. partner, yeah. You know, and it depends kind of on the caseload that you have. I, you know, in, in private practice, like I do, I tend to have a relatively uh, stable uh, caseload that, that, you know, they, they would be able to take off, you know, a couple of weeks, yeah. um, even without notice and, you know, not necessarily need kind of crisis management yeah. type stuff to, to intervene. But, um, you know, and it is very different for us as men because the physical 
yes, we're carrying a lot of the emotional challenge and some of the stress and, and the sleeplessness and all of those changes too, but we're not carrying the physical recovery. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, so much, so much longer and more in depth than I think even the, than we talk about. I mean, the physical recovery, at least a year, um, and beyond, I, you know, I, I think people often think that even after the baby, even within the first month or two, and then you're back into fit. No, no. Um, those kind of changes for, for us as fathers is, is not, that's, that's not as affecting that. So we don't have to plan kind of around. As yeah. Much. Yeah. How do you think your business has changed because of you being a father? That is an excellent question. I knew you'd ask me and I thought a lot about, <laughs> um, It's so multifaceted because there there are kind of two big elements of it. How how has the business element of it changed? How is the therapy side okay. of it? The business side, I'll tell you about the first year and what I was doing very, very wrong uh, that whole first year. I was doing, I I said, well, so when my wife went back to, so my first year kind of changed. Uh, a bit. Um, my wife went back to work. I, I was, I was, I was carrying on a caseload pretty similar to before the birth until those first three or four months until then she went back throughout the rest of that first year. I was staying home. Was I staying home four days a week, staying home three or four days a week, uh, with him. And I was saying, well, I'll have one full day. And then I'll go in two or three evenings. I'll stay home with him all day. Then I'll go in for two or three hours in the evening. Um, and then I'll go on Saturday mornings, right? So I had, I think, one full day, two, two or three evenings a week, and, and, and the day on Saturday. That was nuts. Um, people, I think, looked at me when I told them about that, and they said, you're nuts. Um, probably should have listened. Um, that was incredibly wearing. I, I, I'm the kind of guy that cannot switch gears easily like that. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot sort of do this and then go, I was exhausted. Um, so we would wake up, my wife would go in, she'd come home, we'd have about an hour together. She would, and then I would go off. Mm. She'd be in bed by the time I got back. Mm my office air conditioning shuts off at like 6, 7 PM. Oh, so then by that time in the evening, I'm roasting in the, it was not good. It, it wasn't good. I, I slowly, stubbornly mule like had to be dragged to the conclusion that I really had to buckle my schedule well. So the way that I did that is, you know, and I was afraid to consolidate into just have two days right? And, and giving up those kind of late evenings. I was afraid to consolidate like that. I'm like, who, who's going to come during the day? Um, and if I don't offer all these evenings, then I'm not going to have anyone. And I, I was really afraid to, to squeeze that down. So that's been the kind of biggest change is to realize that time and energy is a really precious commodity. 
Um, and, and to, to really kind of squeeze that. I, I, I'm the kind of guy who, who needs some space. Um, but so I've really had to get more disciplined about shoehorning those in. And so now I've switched to, I have two full days, mm-hmm. um, I have two full days and a Saturday morning, Saturday, late morning, early afternoon. So that's worked out great. Um, and then, so I will see, I will see about eight or nine folks on a full one mm-hmm. day of the week, which can, some people can sound like, Oh my gosh, how can you do that? It actually works really well for me. That's what um, I did. I, you know, I can go back, you know, I can, yeah. as long as it's one day a week and not all five of them, I can do that. Um, yeah. I actually feel generally really energized by that. And those are days that it's not like, well, I'm with my son for six, seven, eight hours and then I'm going in. So that kind of consolidation has been probably the biggest change Mm -hmm. for me. I've changed focus of my practice. Um, Probably when we first interviewed, I probably talked a lot about this identity stuff is hard for me. I scrambled a lot, a lot through that in my career. Um, During the pregnancy, the very first year he was born, I was really trying to focus on doing couples work. Um, at some point on through his first year, I kind of sat down, I looked at the numbers, I talked over with my wife and I said, this isn't working. Um, at most I'm getting two or three couples a week. Um, the retention rate that I'm having is not good for some reason. I don't know if that's inherent to couples work or if that's just, you know, I'm a terrible couples therapist. Mm-hmm. That may be true. Um, uh, you know, uh, I, you know, it, was, it just wasn't working. It just wasn't working for me clinically and from a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. And so I rebranded, rechanged strategies. Um, and I think have really found my stride with that um, over the past year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I shifted back into my work with individuals. I'd gone back, back to a thing that I'd walked away from with, within academia um, and I looked at my practice and I said, you know, what am I seeing? And I, the people that I see describe themselves as emotionally intense people. They're emotionally mm-hmm. sensitive. They think deeply about things. They feel their feelings, positive and negative, deeply and intensely. And sometimes that runs ahead of them. They get all stirred up. Um, they um, tend to be very prone to overstimulation and trouble kind of setting boundaries as I do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the emotional intensity kind of runs ahead of them and jumbles them up in important interpersonal relationships. So the people I work with, you know, they struggle with things like chronic depression, existential angst and thinking about who am I and what do I do? Um, they struggle in their relationships. Um, they may have been diagnosed with like chronic depression or borderline personality disorder. Um, and that's just been doing really great for me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, essentially half uh, um, half time. And that was a big recognition for me to say I'm half time. Um, I was pretending like I was trying to run full time when I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but half time, I'm, I'm essentially full for that half time, mm-hmm. which allows me to stay with and raise my son, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, three weekdays a week. Um, mm-hmm. Mother-in-law helps out those other two days. Um, then I go in kind of Saturday mornings. My wife is with him on Saturday mornings. Then we have the rest of the, the weekend together as a family. Hmm. I'm glad you found what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. And then as he gets older, it'll change again. <laughs> yeah, it will. it will. That first year, it's like, 
every couple weeks something changes. <laughs> no, I know. Um, yeah. In his second year, things are more steady scheduled, but yep, the, um, it will, it will, <laughs> I'm sure of it. <laughs> it like the and then you have a business that you you have a business that you can change accordingly. And that's the greatest part of that is yeah. that, that kind of flexibility, that kind of flexibility. So what do you want fathers out there to know who are in private practice? Who maybe are in the midst of this adjustment? I can reframe it. <laughs> Go try it. Try out. What would you tell yourself, your two year ago self, <laughs> as you were preparing for your son? Knowing what you know now. Right. It's an emotional question. Mm. Um, talk about it it'll be hard but it'll be okay I'm thinking about what I would say to my son. To your son? Mm -hmm. mm. Um, yeah. I want to know that it'll be okay. Yeah. Even when sometimes it feels like you won't. Mm -hmm. You know, you got a good head on your shoulders. You got a good heart in your chest. The rest is just details. Yeah. Honestly. Don't be afraid to get support. Don't be afraid to talk about it. Even when sometimes for other people, it's hard for, for you to talk about it. Um, because, uh, you know, I, I think trying to talk about the, I'll tell you, I, there was, there was, this happens from time to time. There was, there was a call I got um, from, from a custody evaluator for, for one of my clients. And I, I was on paternity leave at the time, so I told them, and I sort of paused and sort of said, well, that's, well, times are different. And I thought, well, that's odd. I mean, that's, that's an odd response. Um, I think it can feel very isolating. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I think it can. Um, 
yeah. I, I think these are kind of hard conversations to have. I, I don't know if it's just me, but I, 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 you know, as men, we're not, we don't talk about stuff. I, I was, ne I was never that kind of guy, though. I was never right. kind of that, that kind of guy. But I was always, I was an emotionally intense and sensitive kid guy. Mm -hmm. I, that. I know from my practice and the folks that I work with, we often feel kind of ostracized from others because of the depth and intensity of our feelings. Mm -hmm. um, and it can feel different and people can tell us, stop being so sensitive, stop overreacting. Um, I think also with that as a male, uh, carries some, we get punished for, for those elements in a lot of ways. We, t we get told not to show our feelings, not to talk about things, not to feel things very deeply. Um, that's been the hard, that's been some of the hardest part of this. Mm -hmm. It's feeling very weird. Mm -hmm. um, and yet at the same time, like I love my son, I've got a successful business going that contributes to the family and I'm there to raise him. And awesome. You know, how is that off? How is that a bad thing? Yeah. Um, but it can feel kind of weird. Have you it, talked to other therapist dads? I have not. I have mm. not. Hmm. If you are a therapist dad, reach yeah, out reach to other therapist dads. Give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> reach out to Jared. <laughs> specifically. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're also, you know, we're not a terribly male dominated profession. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, we're out there, but we're not as easy to find. Yes. Uh, some of the guys in boot camp have gotten together and like <laughs> they form their own little online group kind of thing. I saw that happening or, you know, just to talk about being a, a male in the profession and um, just how it's different and what it's like for them. So they could share some of those experiences and some of these things like, yep fatherhood and and other things so yeah and i mean there there's you mentioned facebook group there are things like that there there's a moms in private practice facebook group but not allowed to join um there's a very active kind of moms in the local area yeah. group um but even even though I'm the primary caregiver, yeah, and, and and you know the things in there that my you know my wife's a member of it, and she serves that you know there are conversations that go on there that would be more of a fit for me, yeah, than feel for her, yeah. But you know, I guess I was in a very maybe progressive. I don't like that word, but our our moms group <laughs> had a lot of fathers in it, and so it was. Yeah, because they express, they're like, I'm the primary caregiver. What, where am I supposed to go with my stroller during the day for walks? You know, we're like, you come with us. We're just all going to hang out, you know. Yeah. And, I, and so I think, yeah, you're isolated professionally and, and, and just kind of in society. Like you said, that custody evaluator saying times have changed. Mm -hmm, okay. And okay. it's beautiful. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> So, um, yeah, well, if you, well, I want to send a message for those of you that are the non-pregnant partner, the, the, the parent, the male parent, even 
who who needs support, you're not alone. There are lots of other <laughs> fathers out there. There are, and I encourage you guys to get together, reach out to each other in some form or fashion because clearly like Jared, what I love is that you have navigated. Maybe sometimes it felt like stumbling in the dark, your way to finding what works for you. Um, but, and if someone can learn from your stumbling and get there a little bit more quickly and without as much pain or, or difficulty, that's a beautiful thing. But we only can do that if we share our stories and, and talk about it. So thank you for being on here with me today thank and venturing into the deep end a little bit of, of this topic. And I am hoping that this is an encouragement to someone who's listening. Thank you. Yeah. All right, you guys, if you have questions, post below. As you heard, Jared encouraged you to reach out to him. <laughs> I'll put his website in the notes as well. And um, thank you, Jared. Thank you. I hope you loved today's episode. If you're a therapist who's tired of those long hours, low pay, and constantly battling burnout, don't forget our free video training designed just for you on how to build and grow a sustainable profitable solo or group practice, head over to zinimi.com slash podcast to check it out today. Until next time.